Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the uh, programme with John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 with whatever is on your mind uh, today. Uh, I'm interested to hear other people's views on the ASTI and the ASTI now what many are saying have thrown the Leaving Cert exam, have thrown it into chaos with what's the were what they did yesterday and I have to say I was really taken aback by the ASDI yesterday they had engaged in discussions with the Department of Education and all of the partners were brought around the table to come in and discuss the Leaving Cert and what could be done about the Leaving Cert for 2021 20, uh, and it seems they, wa- they walked away from the discussions yesterday, they didn't finish, they were due to come back into more discussions I'm assuming today but they walked away, they gave no clue that they were going to withdraw from the talks and then between leaving those uh, talks and suddenly a press statement was issued it was about tea time yesterday it came out that they were withdrawing from uh, the talks I was really taken aback you know to think that you're you're in having meetings and discussions and if you were that upset and that annoyed and feeling that angry about what was being discussed surely it's around that table that you discuss it you don't walk away and then say oh by the way we're, we're not going back you would have I would have thought you would have had that discussion at the time you were around the table and what I think what got to me was, you know, these are teachers and teachers are the very people who will say to their pupils when they're struggling with something or when they don't understand something and when something is frustrating them. Surely as teachers, they're saying to their pupils, keep at it, stick with it. You'll get there eventually. So I really, really was taken aback uh, 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 by what they did uh, yesterday. And now for the 63,000 Leaving Search students, chaos is the word that's been used as to what's going to come and what's going to happen with the uh, Leaving Search. And of course, the ASDI, less than 24 hours previous to that, had set themselves also apart from the other teachers' union, who, by the way, are still involved with the negotiations on the Leaving Search, the TUI. The ASDI formally rejected the broad plan to underpin the phased reopening opening of second level schools. The ASTI said the plan that's in place, which covers issues such as infection control measures, contact tracing, testing for the school staff. The ASTI said looking at that plan, there was unacceptable, but yet they didn't explain what additional measures 
that they were seeking. So that's that's a separate one. But then in the midst of all of this, they decided to pull out of the uh, talks from the uh, Leaving Cert. Now, the Irish second level students union who represent the Leaving Cert students themselves, they said that the ASDI withdrawal from the talks had caused stress, had caused anxiety and worry to skyrocket amongst the students. And amid the ongoing uncertainty about school reopening, the National Women's Council are getting involved in this. They are being contacted, they say, on a daily basis by women who they say are at breaking point. The National Women's Council Director Orla O'Connor said women across the country are really, really struggling. They're trying to provide full-time care to their children at home while doing their paid work either from home or from the front line and they're also trying to be to do the homeschooling uh, as well. She said it's critical that the government prioritise the full reopening of both primary and secondary school. The Women's Council say the women of Ireland are at the end of their tether as they continue to provide all of this additional childcare and the whole homeschooling uh, while closures remain in place. So they are desperate to get the schools women in this country. And I know there will be men saying, oh, hang on, I do my bit on homeschooling as well. I accept that. But I think the majority of people will say and will accept that it is the women who pick up the brunt of all of the work that has to be done at home and at the same time many of them are trying to continue work as well. Now the Department of Education they were shocked by the way with what happened with the ASTI uh, yesterday so then the Education Minister Norma Foley has invited both the ASDI and the other second level teachers unions, the TUI, to separate meetings today. Both unions have accepted the invites, but it looks like the ASDI are going in to discuss why they walked out yesterday. So they're not going in to do ongoing talks about the Leaving Cert. And of course, the ASDI uh, say the proposal being worked on the Leaving Cert wasn't viable. Their big one that they are dead set against is the calculated grades which was given last year. They are just completely against that. If you talk to students, what looked like the Department of Education were trying to do, they were trying to give options give choices to students. There are some students who will still want to go ahead with the old traditional leaving cert and there's other students who are saying, no, I lost too much of my education last year, still losing part of my education this year. We've spoken with leaving cert students on this programme who say they haven't a hope in hell of having all the curriculum covered by June, by the time they would go into an exam. So there, many of the students are very happy to say, no, I'll take a calculated grade uh, instead. But it's the ASDI are just completely against calculated grades. They want the traditional leaving cert are a form of the traditional leaving cert where students will go in and sit down and have an exam but the teachers the, well the ASTI I don't know about the TUI certainly ASTI members are just not happy about having any kind of a calculated grade and that seems to be the big sticking point the fact that that's even on the table they just seem to want that off the table completely anyway we'll keep a close eye on that and if we hear anything about how those meetings go today I don't know if any of them are happening this morning or not we'll bring it to you but your thoughts uh, welcomed on that and then we have a listener who says please don't I can say if I'll just say Ger, don't give my surname or location please uh, when discussing this but hi Patricia this is my email Patricia at c103.ie I was watching prime time last night says uh, Ger, listening to what is essential travel and what isn't essential travel heading to Tenerife to see a dentist that's essential travel. I'd say a lot of dentists in Tenerife now will be getting calls from people all over Ireland over the next few days looking for an appointment. Uh, then you get your appointment and even if you go, 
and have the dental appointment. Say it costs you €100, Euro, you'll certainly save, says Ger, on the €500 Euro fine or the new fine, which is going to go up to €2,000. It was shocking, says Ger, to see 3,800 people dying of COVID and people are still planning on heading away to the sun on their holiday. Ger, rather annoyed with it, I have to say. Yeah, I, I really thought. And of course, you are allowed to travel for medical treatment is going to a dentist in Tenerife medical treatment. I mean, all you have to do is have an appointment to say, yeah, I have a dental appointment tomorrow. I have a dental appointment on Monday out in uh, Tenerife. And what can the Gardaí do? It is a medical appointment. And But yeah, I, I do think, having watched the programme last night, it did make me stop and think how many others will pick up on this idea. As uh, Ger says, just Google a dentist somewhere abroad. That's if you are really desperate to go away on a sunshine holiday. But there will always be people who will, who will feel the rules are not for me and I still want to go on my holiday. And Jer is right at the moment. The fine is €500, Euro, but we know that the Taoiseach, Micheál Martin, has asked the Health Minister, Stephen Donnelly, to increase that fine to €2,000 per person. So it would mean if a couple still did decide to go away on holidays, they could be they would be hit with an on-the-spot fine of €4,000. And it seemed one of the reasons for it was that people were going on holidays and the €500 Euro wasn't that much of a deterrent and people were actually factoring in the €500 Euro saying that's just another cost on the holiday and they, they were still going abroad and for that reason the government have had to say OK let's bring it up to 2000 and see will that act as an deterrent for the week ending last Friday so la- not this week last week 13,606 passengers arrived into uh, Dublin uh, airport of which 8,218 were Irish residents and the remainder almost 5,500 uh, almost 5,500 people were not Residents and of the over 8,000 who were residents, two thirds over 5,000 said, Yeah, they were, they were coming back from uh, a holiday. And non essential overseas travel is a breach of the level five regulation. So the government now are saying to people if you do decide to still do it, then the fine goes up to uh, 2,000. And the message from the government is you know, while everyone would love to go away on holiday and we could all do it a holiday, and it would be lovely to think we were heading away to the sunshine, uh, now is not the time. And unless you're travel- travelling for a specific essential purpose, the message is stay at home, folks, and follow all of the guidelines. So I don't know how many others watched that primetime programme uh, last night, but they, they had a report where they were out with the Gardaí and it included going to uh, Dublin Airport. I just would like to have heard more of the reasons why uh, people were travelling and I accept that there will be essential reasons that people uh, will travel but the ones heading to sunshine destinations I really would like to hear. Have, uh, they, there was one couple of right who said that they were going out they wanted to view properties and the Gardaí did have a chat and say whatever about if you're relocating but going out to view properties is that really essential uh, I wonder now the first tentative green shoots are emerging that the COVID-19 vaccine is slowing the virus uh, spread this is coming from a leading uh, expert in immunisation Professor Karina Butler she said there's already reports from Israel uh, where of course Israel is the country everyone looks to to see how immunisation and how the vaccine is working 
vaccine because they've had widespread vaccination already and Israel are already saying that there's an impact on infection rates, particularly in the older age group. And Professor Karina Butler says, even here in Ireland, we're beginning to see glimmers that the rate of healthcare workers who are testing COVID-19 positive, the ones who have been vaccinated, they are starting to come down. So it really does look like the vaccination is uh, working. And she says, maybe we're beginning to see the first green shoots of uh, spring. Professor Philip Nolan, he of course is responsible for tracking the virus. He says it will take a few more weeks to be able to compare the rate of infection in those who've had the jab against those who haven't been uh, vaccinated. The HSE uh, have also confirmed 12,000 people over the age of 85 will be vaccinated in GP practices and they'll be starting to get their first dose from next week. Deliveries will be made. It's 85 GP practices have been uh, selected and they will be administered in their own surgeries. Now that does mean that everybody over the age, age of 85 is not going to be called next week. If you're lucky enough, it's going to be a bit of a lottery that your GP practice has been selected as one of the 85 to receive the vaccines, then you will be getting a call. So 12,000 for next week. The plan then is 42,000 doses on each of the following two uh, weeks. And they reckon then, Paul Reid reckons by early in March, everybody over the age of 85 will have received their vaccine based on that number of vaccines coming into the uh, country. Now, reading in the Irish Independent uh, today, a number of GPs are very frustrated because they've been told they will not be able to administer the vaccines in hotels or community halls. And a number of GPs have looked at hotels in their area or large community halls or GAA halls. And they've said, look, these are very spacious. There's a lot of car parking spaces. There's a separate exit, a separate entrance. And they feel it would be a great way that they could have kind of their own little vaccination clinic. But they have been told now, the GPs that have been selected have been told that they must administer the vaccine in the GP uh, surgery or else in one of the designated centre. We were talking earlier in the week, for example, the one in Cork City Hall and I saw in the news last night the Helix in Dublin has been turned into this mass uh, vaccination centre. But other than that, it'll have to be delivered in the GP surgery. And the reason for it is that once the vaccine gets delivered, it cannot then be moved to another location such as a neighbouring building like a community hall, like a GAA hall or a hotel and it is due to transport issues with the fragile vaccine and also for the safety of the patients who must then remain in a controlled environment. I think it's 15 minutes after they get the shot. So some doctors are are disappointed with that because many doctors have been looking around if their practice isn't very big to try to see how they can speed up the rollout of the uh, vaccine. So it's going to be done in the GP uh, surgery. Also, there was a commitment yesterday from the HSE that arrangements are being made to ensure that housebound people can get the vaccine because I know we've heard from some of our listeners who are looking after an elderly parent or grandparent who who are basically housebound and they're saying they won't be able to go to a doctor's surgery and they want them to get the vaccine and the elderly person wants to get the vaccine. So the HSE are very aware of that. I don't know what the numbers are like. It's not going to be a huge amount, but they're saying, look, people who are housebound, don't worry if they, they will still get the vaccine. They won't be forgotten about. So we'll start next week, 12,000 of the over 85s and then within three weeks, they reckon all the over 85s will be done. Then they'll come down lower the age groups and they reckon 
by the middle of May. Now, this is very dependent on supply. If supply keeps coming the way it's coming, they reckon by the middle of May, everyone over the age of 70 will be fully vaccinated. They reckon by the middle of May, that means they'll have both of their uh, vaccines and that certainly will be some good news to anybody listening to us or a family member over the age of 70. A lady contacted us yesterday from uh, Clonakilty to say she found a pair of ladies reading glasses on the street in Clonakilty yesterday morning and she handed them in to Noel Walsh's shop. So if anyone was out shopping yesterday in Clonakilty and you lost your glasses go into Noel Walsh's shop in Clon. They're looking after those glasses for you. Okay. Um, the teachers the and the ASTI pulling out of the talks on the leaving cert yesterday and uh, then also formally rejecting the plan that would have underpinned the reopening of schools uh, the day before. A couple of comments in on that. One listener says, I think that the home schoolers should get compensated for all the work that they have been uh, doing. Uh, Dan says, Patricia, it's time to introduce the ASTI, uh, etc. to the POP payment of €350 per week. Rita says, did any of the teachers of this country watch the Primetime Investigates programme last Tuesday night in Tala Hospital in the ICU watching those medical staff and the way they were working to see the workers in the ICU and then the teachers union pulling out of talks in that uh, manner beyond angry. Then Teresa comes in defence of teachers says I don't think people understand how teaching works and those making comments are not must not be in the teaching profession and they have no basis for their comments. Many teachers reflecting on last year remember the anxiety they faced when they had to rank their own teachers with the calculated grades and and therein does seem to be the problem for the ASTI they just do not want to do the calculated grades again this year but Teresa what I would say to you and what I would say to the teachers is surely resolution is the is the issue not walking away from talks they were sitting around a table if they were that upset you know, put forward their views as to why they're against calculated grades, but to be inside in a meeting, to have everybody around a table talking and then to give no indication that they were going to walk away from the talks. I think that certainly for me, that's what shocked me the most about what happened uh, yesterday. And Billy Abandon says, I think that the teachers are forgetting that they are employees and the employers can decide what they want them to do. Walking out, uh, walking away from a meeting with no explanation gives a a very poor example to those that they are teaching for the, for people who are supposed to be educators. They really didn't show that uh, yesterday. 1850-333-103 And just on a text that came in from, where is it gone? It, here it is. Um, this is, there's no name on this. Patricia this is due to private hospitals. Since the agreement was drawn up with the private hospitals on the 8th of January, Paul Reid has reported that 6,000 public patients have been treated in private hospitals. This texter says, at a cost of £115 million per month, he's done the figures, 6,000 people, estimated cost would be on average €19,000. That seems to me like a misappropriation of taxpayers' money. Hopefully many more patients will be treated in the following months to reduce the waiting lists and to make this agreement more cost-effective. Now, can I just point out 
out to you. While yes, you're right, there were 6,000 public patients. Your figures are wrong and I'll tell you why your figures are wrong. What you were talking about, the deal for 115 million a month, that was the deal that was agreed with the private hospitals last year at the start of the COVID-19 crisis. Remember the HSE took over all of the private uh, hospitals. Now that turned out to be a bit of a waste of money uh, because they didn't get the surge they thought they were going to uh, get and then they released the private hospitals back into their care again and then it was in January that they got the private hospitals to sign up to a new deal but the new deal that they have signed up to is private hospitals will have agreed to give 30% of their capacity to to public uh, patients Uh, so the way they get paid for it is different they're reimbursed according to the Department of Health at the standard commercial rate I don't know what the standard commercial rate is but they will get paid per patient that they look after and you are right 6,000 people have been looked looked after in private hospitals but private hospitals are still looking after their own patients and it's just 30% of their capacity they have agreed to do public patients I would like to see that increased because I don't know who this texture is but you are right our waiting lists are getting longer and longer and longer so I would like to see more people taken off that waiting list sent into the private hospitals and that give more than 30% capacity that's certainly what I would like uh, to see but you'll be glad to hear they're not paying €115 million Euro, uh, a month 1850 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group Want great advice? You know who to talk to cmig.ie Egg file mock quid then and here is far lin. Shaw eight thrower C one oh three air kirkig. Oskliach Park Yilaw Natro Mori Lediani Erin Devo Yas Dungahir Agus is Fader Shu Nutamontrige Hogalora Diger Fader Yan of Sephork Ha Rian BMX Sam Unadakwech de Fenair Is Fader Rugby at Immertown Dollar Hugh Lodi Agus Ta on Dome Aun Is Fader Rarka Oiler Galore Dosna Deal Santa Shata Gurkig Unwinta Fiachanasha Ha Park Yilaw Natro Mori Erin Devo Yas Dungahir Nukta Quid Denaniha Is Fari Gurkig C103 If you are aged 85 or over, you'll be offered a free COVID-19 vaccine next. You don't need to register in advance. As soon as your vaccine is available, your GP will let you know. Everyone else will be offered the vaccine when it's their turn. If you have questions about your COVID-19 vaccine, we have answers you can trust on hse.ie. Or you can call HSE Live on 1850 24 1850 from the HSE. Your local SuperValue has some fantastic offers to make your Valentine's Day special. Like, save 33% on fresh Irish strip loin, ribeye and fillet in our steak sale. Cadbury milk tray chocolates now half price. Roses bouquets starting at only €5. And until Sunday, Pierre Darcy champagne now €15. SuperValue. Believe in low prices. Enjoy alcohol responsibly. Prices for dairy beef calves up €50 per head. For more in your Farmer's Journal, here's Paul Mooney. Calf prices reach over €400 per head. Calls for minimum €10,000 reps payment. Irish sexed semen lab a step closer to reality. And with calf numbers ramping up at the marts, we have the latest roundup of prices in our four pages of mart coverage. Plus, in Irish country living, we've four pages of colouring, puzzles and a short story competition. This week's Irish Farmer's Journal, on sale now. MABS, the money advice and budgeting service, is aware that we're all facing difficult times, with many people's financial circumstances changing overnight. 
we want to reassure you that our free service is open to everyone and our experienced staff will support you and deal with any financial concerns you may have. You can find your local MABS office details at mabs.ie or contact the MABS helpline on 0761 07 2000. All costs depend on operator bundles, funded and supported by the Citizens Information Board. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 Cork County Council is to seek a judicial review regarding the government's opposition to plans for a Kildare village-style retail uh, outlet in East Cork. Fianna Councillor Anthony Barry uh, joins me. Good morning to Anthony. Good morning, Patricia. Now, I suppose, firstly, why did the government rule against plans for this retail-style village? I suppose, really, the Office of Planning Regulator, which is an advisory uh, office to the, the Department on Planning Issues, um, which was set up uh, about a year and a half ago now, I think, um, weighed in, really, with concerns that a joint retail strategy should have been implemented between the city and county, and uh, this was this move for the variation number two for our county development plan was preemptive, and uh, you know it wasn't done in a proper fashion. And are the majority of councillors on Cork County Council in favour of such a development? Oh, overwhelming majority. I think four or five voted against this, and primarily on sustainability grounds, um, which is, is of course our right. Um, we all know the popularity of the Kildare Outlet Centre. Absolutely. And the, the vast numbers of people that travel from the south uh, up there uh, when we're open again on a daily basis, not a mind on a weekly basis. So, um, you know, it's only right from a sustainability view. I think this would be a huge fillip from, uh, to the area, both tourism and economically. And what about local businesses? Are they in favour of a development like this? Uh, some aren't. I know Cork City are definitely not in favour of it, uh, the CBA in particular. Um, I think that's regrettable and disappointing because I could see the huge numbers of people it would bring into Cork City uh, for st- overnight stays, indeed weekends. They would spend the day maybe in the retail outlet centre, but they would spend the following day inside in the city centre. Uh, they would all socialise at night inside in the city. I think the benefit uh, for the city would be huge as well. And I think it is the particularly disappointing that the CBA has adopted this um, approach to it. Well, they're uh, worried about their own businesses, obviously, their own retail yeah, yeah, businesses. Yeah, of course, primarily. Yeah. But, Patricia, but I they're being short sighted, you think? I think they've been very short sighted. I met a lady that uh, has purchased. In, in the middle of COVID, has purchased a unit in Middleton. Uh, she's opened um, a ladies' fashion boutique and she cannot understand the opposition to this. She said business brings business. Yeah, um, that's, that's a really good point. And if you speak to anybody in Kildare Town, they will tell you the exact same thing. They will, of course. I've, I've actually stayed in Kildare myself uh, and went to the Kildare outlet the following morning. And I made it my business to actually ask uh, in a couple of restaurants and pubs and, and um, where we were staying how beneficial was the outlet centre to business in Kildare. And they were all overwhelming in favour of the outlet centre. So, you know, I, I just think business does bring business. And I thought that was a very interesting approach. And the town of Middleton primarily is in favour of it as well. So, I mean, there is one of the best business towns you have in Cork. And they're in favour of this project. A judicial review, uh, Anthony, would that be a costly venture for the council? It could be. Um, you know, any time you go into the steps of a courthouse, it's costing you big money. Um, and this decision was not entered into lightly. We would hope that it's of national significance and that um, 
payment of that would come from from um, departmental sources as it is so important it's not just uh, you, this is not purely just about the ROC even though this is the one the retail outlet centre this is the one that we're fighting it on um, if the office of planning regulator deems that they can intervene and interject and not allow us to progress with this. They will also have the same powers in housing, in residential. Uh, Densities is a huge issue of mine. Um, and in other industrial sites. So we, we as the local authority, that are identified as the main planning authority for what is happening in our communities, cannot go ahead and do that. And we are going to be dictated by an organisation in Dublin. Really, it's, it's not going to make for very good local government. Yeah, I think a lot of other councils around the country will follow this with great interest. Have no doubt about it. I know for a fact many councils are, are observing this and watching what's happening. Yeah, OK. So a timeline on it, uh, Anthony? Again, when you go into court, hopefully uh, I'd like to see it done within a few months. Um, uh, but you know yourself, Richard, if we look at projects like, um, we'll say, Ring of and uh, the um, incinerator down there, uh, yeah, it can drag on. So it does drag, it can drag on once it goes in there. Hopefully, uh, there'll be a resolution brought to it fairly quickly. Uh, I would hate to see it drag on because we are in the process of formulating another county de- new county development plan. And uh, it's very difficult to do that when you've got this hanging over our heads. OK, we will, we will watch this one with keen interest and seeing as I've mentioned costs uh, and council uh, costs. Can, can you outline why the civic amenity charges, this was an issue that came up yesterday on the programme, why they are to be increased? And it was, it was discussed, I think, at, um, at last week's council meeting. It was discussed over a very lengthy meeting. Um, to be honest with you, the civic amenity sites are costing Cork County Council €3 million. So they're losing €3 million Euro per annum. And that's not €3 million Euro of council money. It's taxpayers' money. This is, you know, your money, my money. Um, and we have to find a way to bridge that gap and fill the hole. So it was agreed at budget time that we would close that gap by a million. And uh, there was obviously differing views as to how that would be done. And uh, I know the executive came up with what was generally considered a rather convoluted charging system uh, for vehicles as they enter. And then, which was a concern of mine, um, increasing substantially the cost of some materials going into the site. Now, that's all very fine, the polluter pays theory, but if you increase those charges too much, and these are high-risk pollutants, I think you'd end up in a situation where uh, those there may be more dumping of materials like paint, oil, filters, that kind of stuff, which is high risk to the environment. Um, there is an argument there that by increasing these charges, you increase flight tipping. I would argue against that because um, only recently, for example, I found a big bag of bottles, glass bottles, inside my farm um, that could have been safely disposed, free of charge, yeah. only a mile and a half up the road. That's so so frustrating. I should look, I mean, filthy people that carry on like that. Um, so so, somebody that, went to the bother of bagging up all their bottles and yeah. then just tossing it into your farmland? Yeah, white rum bottles. He obviously likes his white rum, whoever he was, and I think there was about 20 bottles. Not only that, they ended up in a, in a, a drain. Uh, ah. They drained into a main drainage system. And a number of months ago, that hall blocked up because of the material that went down. So I put a grid in it since uh, and I found all those bottles that were going down that are going to the same place again. So. Which is, you know what frustrates me about that? Somebody had to get into a car and drive yeah. uh, and they couldn't just go on an extra, as you say, half a mile and put them into a bottle bank. Exactly. What, the, exactly. What is the mentality in that? 
But that's just pure laziness. I mean, I observed another individual in the first lockdown uh, in Carrick Tool um, actually opening up the, the, the litter bins and putting his own uh, material into uh, the litter bins um, and going from bin to bin. Now, the number was taken and was reported. I don't know whoever followed on after that. But that kind of mentality, when you're dealing with that, it's very difficult. But that's to, just to avoid paying bin charges. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but that's why people worry. If we, if you make it too costly to go to the civic amenity site, people will go, well, I'm just not going to pay it. I'll, I'll jump it into... Yeah, well, I think in fairness, one euro increase. Just okay, just, there. yeah, talk, it's, it's, it's an extra one euro at the gate. It's an extra one euro on the gate, and I think that was cleaner and easier to do than a convoluted system of increasing by 10 and 15 euro if you had one kind of van, more if you had another kind of van. So it, it is easier. So is that, the only, is that the only yeah. increase? No, there are increases on some of the materials, but the increases would have been more uh, had we not increased the charge at the entry fee. So you would have seen a doubling for sofas and we say armchairs and that. Whereas now the increase, I, I, I forgive me, no, Patricia. I, I, I have, I actually, I have it here in front of me. Armchairs, two and three seater sofas have gone up by a fiver, um, and the cost of a carpet has gone from fifteen euro to thirty euro. The one that some of our listeners were upset about was the cost of a trailer of timber from twenty euro for a single axle trailer to forty. That's doubled, and a double axle trailer has gone from forty to eighty. A large bag of waste standard bag of waste four to five euro that's only gone up a euro eight to nine and a larger bag and a weedy bin has gone from 12 to uh, 14 okay so you're saying it, it, it could have gone higher and one euro extra on the door on, on the gate going in how much do you reckon that will generate I think it was bringing in 300,000 it's still um, not anywhere near the three million no no no. we're only reducing by a million it's still going to be two million of a, of a whole but we have, have got a guarantee that the overall operations would be reviewed as well by the executive and that, you know, we'll see if we can make savings and make, make it more streamlined inside there as well to try and close that gap. But there is still a two million gap uh, shortfall. You also have to remember that during COVID, and I know COVID gets played for everything, but the problem is a lot of these materials now, uh, and with the UK and, UK and Brexit, a lot of these materials, we just can't shift it out of the country. So the recycling timber is proving particularly problematic. You're especially still, you're treated st- timber. What you're stockpiling it now, is it almost? It is, and it's just, it's not, I know people would say, that's a disgraceful, the timber, timber could be used for firing if it was cut up, but a lot of the timber that comes in isn't suitable for that. A lot of it is treated, uh, which, you know, like pellets and, and that kind of treatment that's put on it, that prohibits it from being used from many, many different um, uh, sources. So it, the timber costs in particular have to go up because timber is a huge problem. If timber wasn't coming into the civic community sites, uh, it would have reduced the cost substantially. And that surprised me myself when I heard yeah. it. Because it's, it's great to see people use civic community sites. And, and I'm always blowing the trumpet of the workers in the civic community sites because I think they're fantastic and they are so well run and they're so clean and they keep everything so, so tidy. And, and I love any time I go out there to see that it's busy. It's great to see people using them. But we somewhere in between, we've got to find a way of them not costing so much. And there is a fundamental issue. I mean, if you, if you were able to recycle 90% of your material, it would be great. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of if you take a lot of people are complaining about the grass clippings and, and green 
material. Yeah. A lot of people should actually be having their own um, compost bins. Composting down the bottom of the garden. No, people say it draws rats and everything else. It doesn't really if you if you don't be using cooked foods and stuff like that. So it depends what you put into it. And people could do that uh, and do more of that. It does sound crazy to have to charge that. But if you bring it into the civic community site, the council then have to get rid of it and they have to use it. And unfortunately, it is proven terribly expensive. And, you know, if people, you have to balance your books, as you know yourself. And uh, this year was, at the last budget, was particularly problematic given the situation that we're in and the loss of rates and income to the council. And the fact that the charges have risen to the council substantially and to private operators as well. Um, There are private operators offering the same service as, as the city community sites and their costs have gone up. Are you spending a lot, though, cleaning up fly tipping? Is that costing the council a lot? I actually asked recently uh, that since COVID, because there seems to be a view out there that since COVID, um, there's a lot more fly tipping happening in the countryside. And I asked the council, the environment section, and they said, no, it hasn't increased at all. I'm getting a full report for our next environment SBC on that. Okay. Um, but I believe it hasn't increased. But I think what has happened is that more people are walking now, and obviously they see more. And um, the, the bottom line here is people are, a lot of people are particularly filthy when they'll just drive past. Wow. Throw plastic bottles, coffee cups. Yeah. Tins. The masks, the, the disposable masks. Disposable we're, we're constantly masks. getting calls in about that. Bags of nappies. Yeah. Uh, as I say, I, I'm living on the N25. I found everything from kittens, puppies, mattresses, sofas, tyres, thrown in over the wall um, onto the farm. And uh, it's just hard to imagine that people could carry on like that. But look, they do in the society we live in. And trying to find the perpetrators is particularly difficult. Yeah, and I know we've been discussing dump- waste and dumping on, on the programme this week. And of course, whenever we do discuss a dog, the issue of dog fouling uh, came up. I actually saw in the paper, the, you were discussing that at a council meeting as well. I mean, there isn't an area of Cork County that you don't get complaints about people not responsible, pet owners not cleaning up after their dogs. And like most people are responsible about that, but you have the, the habitual offenders. Yeah. And I know the council are trying to use the um, the same, the, the wardens, in doing that. But it's very difficult to find actually uh, what dog does his business in yeah. what particular location. And I know this, this we're trying to find a situation where under GDPR, uh, that CCTV cameras can't be used and footage can't be used. And that, I think, is absolutely scandalous that uh, the rights of the um, person that's committing these fouling issues uh, are superior and over the, the greater right, community right. And I know the challenge is being, and I know the department are looking at it, and it's going to be challenged as to that CCTV footage could be used in these situations. And it should be. And it should be used for fly tipping as well. It's it's it's, it's crazy that somebody can get protected for breaking, they're, they're, they're breaking the law, and yet they can be protected because of GDPR. Well, that is a problem. And, you know, GDPR, a lot of people would say, you know, in different, um, we'll say in different countries, uh, you have a situation where that you have Big Brother watching over you all the time. Um, but my view on that is that if you're not breaking the law, you have nothing to fear. And uh, I think definitely nearly every main street um, is well covered uh, with CCTV cameras. We should be able to use that. And we should be able to use that footage. Okay. All right. Listen, Anthony, we leave it there. Uh, Thank you for that. Enjoyed our chat and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme.
very much. Good morning to you. Uh, bye bye. That is East Cork uh, Councillor Anthony Barry, who originally joined me to talk about the Kildare, the Kildare Village style retail park, but we ended up uh, discussing rubbish and litter and the civic community sites. And I can see people annoyed about the increase in costs to the civic community sites. Meg says, logic, my foot vehicles should not be charged going into the uh, civic amenity sites. Mick says, Patricia, on the subject of rubbish, we pay for bin collection. And if ever we have excess cardboard or electrical materials, etc., we load up and we take it to the local civic amenity site and we pay what used to be three euro to get in. And we were told in our last visit that that will increase and we can now be expected to pay 13 euro. Another case of the council punishing the people making an effort. And it is obviously going to encourage more dumping, says in uh, Donnerell and someone says why take a trailer load of timber to a civic amenity, amenity site why not cuss it up for firewood what do they do with the couches etc are they uh, recycled and if so how well Anthony said they have to go to the country the timber and that a lot of the timber if it's been treated according to Anthony it can't be burned it can't be used for firewood obviously there's a certain amount of timber that can be used for it can be used for firewood but all of it can't for some reason and now they have the problem because of COVID they can't get it out of the country 1850 333 103 Cork today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie you're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. On a completely different issue, we were contacted earlier in the week by a listener who was concerned about dead seals washed up on Ardnehinch Beach in Shanagari. To try to find out what is going on, I'm joined by Melanie Crochet of the Seal Rescue Ireland. Good morning to you, Melanie. Good morning, thank you for having me. Well, you're very welcome. Are you getting many reports of dead seals washed up on our beaches over the last few weeks? Yes, we absolutely are. So Seal Rescue Ireland is dedicated to rescue, rehab and release, as many people know. But what many people may not know is that we're also focused on conservation and research. Um, We've been keeping a dead seal database for the last five years, and we have seen a huge rise in the last year. Uh, In fact, 2020 was the highest number of reports we've ever had, with 202 uh, dead seal reports coming from all over the coastlines, which was more than double the previous year. Wow. Um, Yeah, unfortunately, this year is starting off to a very strong start as well. We've already had 38 reported to us in just the past six weeks, and over a third of those have come from Cork. And as you say, specifically, eight reports in just the last nine days have been from the Ballycotton, Ardnehinch, uh, Shanagary area. Now, Rose, who contacted us and sent us sent us on photographs, which, by the way, we've got up on our Facebook page, um, she says that the dead seals appear to have bullet holes. Is that what you're saying? You know, we do get this uh, question quite often, and we do often see seals that have those holes in them. Now, a lot of these seals that are washed up, they're very decomposed, and it would be almost impossible to determine the cause of death um, without a post-mortem necropsy. Um, and as seals are protected species um, under EU and Irish law, this would fall under National Parks and Wildlife Service in order to carry out a proper investigation and a postmortem. Um, but unfortunately, um, they just really haven't had the funding or resources in order to be able to do that historically. So it's really, really hard to determine exactly what the cause of death is. Um, but one of the things that we're really, really seeing is impacting the seals is climate change. 
Um, so as the increase in severity and frequency of these storms is happening year to year, we're getting more and more seals, uh, specifically young pups, that are getting washed off beaches. They can drown. They can get bashed into rocks. Um, it's just a really rough start to life. And not only that, but we're seeing with sea level rise in all these storms, we're seeing a lot of coastal erosion. Um, so seals have to come up on beach uh, on beaches to rest and rear their young. So basically, when we're losing our coastlines, they're losing habitat. So there's a lot of environmental threats that are impacting these seals. Um, but I'd say another really, really big cause of mortality for the seals is actually bycatch and fishing nets. Um, in fact, we've had four in just this uh, this winter that have washed up in the southeast that had visible evidence of nets. So they were entangled in ropes. Or, and uh, they, just, they just can't get out once they get entangled in them. Exactly. So they, they ultimately drown. And unfortunately, a lot of this is happening offshore where we're not seeing it. So we're only seeing the seals that are washing up on the beaches. So there's really no way of knowing the real number of seals that are being impacted by this out at sea. And how important, Melanie, are seals to our marine ecosystem? Oh, they're vitally important. They're um, apex predators. So that means they have a really, really big impact on the whole ecosystem. They're a keystone species. So if we were to remove seals, um, that would actually have an impact on everything else. And it's important to mention that gray seals almost went extinct in Irish waters in the early 1900s. So they're still recovering um, from that near extinction. And they only have one pup per year. And 50% of those pups do not survive the first year. So it's a very, very slow population growth. And just seeing this rise in dead seals numbers, it really um, is concerning. That's a worry. Uh, Why did they nearly go extinct in the early 1900s? It wouldn't have been climate change back then. What was going on back then? Yes, unfortunately it was hunting. Oh, was it? Okay. All right. Okay. And and I think people will be surprised to hear that you want to hear from people if they do come across a dead seal for this dead seal uh, database that you speak of. Yes, absolutely. It is so great to see that so many people are taking an interest in this. Um, You know, there's more and more interest in not only the protection of our environment, but in things like marine mammals. Um, You know, you can see how much of an impact fungi the dolphin had. (laughs) So, you know, seals are really amazing. There's a huge, huge opportunity for ecotourism and jobs in this area. But we do need to protect them, not only to protect the health of our seas, but for future generations to be able to enjoy them. So we strongly urge anyone in the public that does come across a dead seal to please report it to us. Um, We'll ask for photos and we'll ask for a location, ideally a GPS uh, location, because we don't want to double count seals, but we also want to make sure that we are getting a complete picture. And we're also starting to collaborate with other nonprofits like Orca Ireland, who is mainly focused on cetaceans. Um, But we're going to start pulling our our data together to make sure that we're really getting a comprehensive picture here. And hopefully we can use this to figure out how to protect them going forward. Well done. done. And obviously, if somebody comes across an injured seal, uh, call you immediately. Yes, please. If you do see an injured seal or one you suspect might need help, please maintain a safe distance of about 100 metres and keep your dog on the lead. And you can call us on our 24-hour hotline, which can be found on our um, website, which is www.sealrescueisland.org. Okay. All right. Listen, continue. Good luck. You're doing fantastic work, uh, Melanie. And thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. 
Thank you so much. Good morning to you. That is Melanie Crochet of Seal Rescue uh, Ireland. Uh, dreadful to think of uh, that we're losing so many of our, our seals. And yet again, we're back to climate change. 1850-333-103. Some of your texts coming in to us on uh, dumping a butterfant listener. Hi, Patricia. I just want to talk about the dumping problem we have around our beautiful countryside. We pay for our bins and then we bring all of our excess recycling to the local civic community site. Last time I was there, somebody working there told me that the charge would be increasing from three euro entry fee to 13. And that you're the second person actually to point that out. The, it, we know that the increase on the door, on the gate, is going from three euro to four euro. And then the additional charges, it depends on what you're bringing in. So I don't know where the 13 euro was coming from. But anyway, uh, the Spotman listener said the person at the civic community site was explaining why the charges are going up. And they said it is to, to deter irresponsible people who hire unlicensed rubbish collectors. The van and the trailer charge is also increasing. My point is, I'm afraid it's going to punish people like myself and others um, who are trying to do our bit and then it'll only encourage those collecting to dump the rubbish illegally. It signed a worried Butterfant uh, listener and you're not the first to make that point as well. People are afraid will it act as a deterrent to people who have been doing their job right and could it cause some people to decide... I'll save myself money or what about people who can just can't simply afford the increased charges will it then lead to them dumping which I really hope doesn't, ha- doesn't happen and Joe and Manway says I caught fly tippers chucking rubbish out of their moving car on my dash cam guess what I went straight to the Gardaí with my recording I wonder what happened with that uh, well done to you on some of your calls coming into John Paul I mentioned uh, somebody had sent an email in about the prime time programme last night taken aback to see people at Dublin Airport why are you going to Mallorca I'm going to get my teeth done I have an appointment with the dentist Michelle said I've made an appointment with my dentist for next week the soonest I can get in is the 25th of February dentists have to be very careful with Covid less people in the waiting room so therefore there are less appointments to keep everybody safe and then to hear the people are travelling to Tenerife for a dental appointment. And I'm here waiting for one in uh, Mitchellstown, says Michelle. Very, very uh, annoyed. Hi, uh, Patricia. This is from Eileen emailing Patricia at C103.ie. Question for you, please. This is on vaccines. What about the people on long-term illness? How long will they be waiting? I'm suffering from a long-term illness. I've been sick since 2006. I'm 59 years of age. I know there is to be on the sequencing that's done from the National Immunisation Advisory Committee. They are the ones who developed the sequencing document which determined the order in which groups should be vaccinated. I know that is to be updated next week and I know there's a lot of calls from people who are long-term, suffering from a long-term illness and people who are medically vulnerable. There has been a lot of calls for them to be put pushed up that list to be vaccinated. So let's see what comes out from the new sequencing that's going to be announced next week. But we are going to be talking on that very topic because we're going to be talking about somebody who's on dialysis, who is also uh, people on dialysis and people suffering with uh, kidney uh, disease really want to be pushed up the the vaccination uh, list. So hang in there, uh, Eileen. And back to teachers and back to the ASDI who pulled out of the talks that were ongoing about what 
the Department of Education can do about the leaving cert this year. And the big stumbling block for the ASDI seems to be they do not want to be involved in any way with calculated grades. A couple of people understanding the teacher's point of view. Kieran says, if you live in a very rural area and you're marking your students, it can cause a lot of problems because people, everybody knows each other in a rural area. People will, parents will start asking, why did my Johnny only get a B? He should have got an A in, in why did you only give him a B? If you're in an urban area, says Kieran, it might be different that not everybody knows where their teachers, who their teachers are, where their teacher, teacher lives. But in small towns and villages, everybody knows everyone. And the state exams, the critical state exams can be a nightmare. Kieran says, I can totally see why the ASDI walked out of those talks uh, yesterday, as I feel that this practice simply cannot work in rural rural areas. It caused problems last year when it was spoken about. Parents in our own area where I teach agree it will be better for teachers to mark elsewhere so you'd mark students from a different uh, area but you see you can't do that on calculated grades because you don't physically have an exam. Therein lies the problem. Calculated grades are based on the teacher's knowledge of the student and an outside teacher is not going to have that knowledge of the student. Case says I'm not a teacher but I feel getting other teachers in from different schools to look after the Leaving Cert is the way to go. Currently the system that is in place but it may, currently like the system that is in place but it may not, but it may operate different. I'm sorry, that's not making sense. Anyway I think favouritism may seep in with Leaving Cert if you're allowing teachers to mark their own students. It is putting pressure on students and teachers uh, but I also am against what the ASDI did yesterday. They shouldn't have simply just walked out of the uh, talks. But you see they didn't walk out of the talks. They left the talks agreeing that they were going to come back in today and then they issued a press statement saying that they were withdrawing from the uh, talks. So yeah, I, I don't know where it's all going to end up. All we know is that the Department of Education now are gone, well, Minister Foley has gone, is going back in to talks with the ASDI today. So let's see if something can come out of that. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. A salesperson is wanted for a pet store that's in Bandon. While ground workers, trainee ground workers and general site operatives and cleaners are required for work in the Middleton area. Part-time office administrator is required. That's in North Cork and Cronin Electrical are looking for qualified electricians and a first-year apprentice electrician. Safe pass, manual handling and COVID induction is necessary. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. cmig.ie. Many groups who are medically vulnerable are calling on the government to urgently make changes to the COVID-19 vaccine priority list, including those who are on kidney dialysis. Carol Rumley is from Bandon and she feels she risks her life every time she has to undergo dialysis and she joins me to share her story. Good morning to you, Carol. Good morning, Patricia. You are very welcome to the programme. Okay, Thank you. how many times a week do you need to attend hospital to receive your dialysis and where do you receive it? Well, I receive it in uh, the Cork University Hospital and I have to go in for my treatment three times a week. And how long are you in there each time? I'm in there uh, four hours. Well, you'd be kind of waiting outside, uh, you know, for maybe about a half an hour before you, you go in for your, your treatment, you know. 
Um, so four hours I'm on the I'm on the uh, machine, and then a half an hour drive either way. Mo- yes, yeah, half an hour up and a half an hour back. Most yes. most yes. of the day gone, really. Most of the day, all of the day gone. Yes, yeah, and is. that's yeah. three the same three days every week, is it? Yes, Monday evening at half past six, Wednesday evening at half six, and Saturday morning at half past seven. It's half seven in the morning. Yes, half seven in the morning. Well, okay. And you are, what would contracting COVID-19 mean to you? Well, it would have a detrimental effect, really. You know, um, it's like, it's, it wouldn't wouldn't be very good for us. You know, I mean, like they'd be patients and they'd have, you know, other underlying issues as well as the kidney problems. Yeah, you know. So I mean, it's it would be it would be just detrimental for us. It could know? it could be fatal. It could it yeah. could yes it could it could yes yeah. And when you go into hospital, and and I'm sure everybody involved in the renal unit and the dialysis unit are doing the very best, but you're you're nervous going to the hospital three times a week, Cara. You are yes, you are you are yeah you are you are because yeah. there's so much COVID both in the community and in the hospitals. Yes, that's right. There is. There is, yeah, yeah. You're just, you're just hoping like that you won't pick it up. Like there's no guarantee, you know. Um, like the nurses in the dialysis unit. I mean, they're making everything as safe as they can for for the patients, you know. But even at that, like you're at high risk all the time. Yeah. Are they vaccinated at this stage, the nurses? Yes. They are, yes. thank God. Thank God. Yes. And then, are you confined to your home outside of your hospital visits? Yes, more or less, yeah. Wow. That's tough. It is. It's not easy. No, it's not. No. And when do you expect to get a vaccine? Oh, the sooner the better. <laughs> <laughs> but have you any indication of when? Absolutely not. No. No. No, it's uh, it's just hoping every day. Like, that will change, you know. It's just, it's just such a worry, you know. It's a terrible worry, not for me, like for me and as well as all the other patients, you know. And do you, have you any idea how many people are on dialysis? Like, well, how many people are we talking about? Oh, gee, Chris, I suppose, I suppose above in the dialysis, you only be about 170, 180, maybe, you know. Yeah, we're not talking about tens of thousands of people who are who are on dialysis every year. I thought I saw a, a oh, yeah. figure. It's, it's, I think quite, uh, quite, yeah. Did I see a figure from the Irish Kidney Association? They reckon five thousand people in Ireland are on dialysis, are on our post transplant uh, treatment. So it isn't. We're not talking tens of thousands of people to be pushed no. up of a, a vaccination no, uh, list. No, 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 we're not. We're not. No. And and I absolutely accept going to the hospital. How how nervous you, you would be? Yes. Would home dialysis be an option for you, Carol? Well, I was on that for um, I suppose about seven years. And uh, I was picking up peritonitis. So um, I had to come off it in the end. As I, you know, I, I just couldn't be on it. Like, I, you know, to, to be just, uh, it wasn't for me really, you know. Because it, it, I imagine, is it easier to have home dialysis though, if if it was working? Well, I suppose it, it's good if it, if it works for you, yeah, you know. Yeah. But I suppose in the end it just didn't work for me, you know. Um, I suppose, yeah, it should be, better, you know, if, if you could stay at home like, you know, uh, but it just, I just had to come off it and, and go on the, the hemodialysis, yeah. 
kidney transplant is that an option uh, hopefully someday <laughs> you, know. yeah. you, you live in hope are you on the transplant list yes I am you are I am okay. about I suppose over 20 years wow wow yeah. God, it's a long time. And of course, I don't know, has there been, because of COVID, has there been any transplants going on? There has been uh, a couple. Yes, there has. But a much yeah. lower number than normal. A much lower number, yes. Yeah. God, it, 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 really, it really is tough. So even if you had um, a rough outline, Carol, of when you could expect the vaccine, would that give you some kind of peace of mind? Well, I suppose it would if we had some indication of when we would get it, you know. But as I say, kind of the sooner the better, really, because it's, you know, it's just such a worry, you know, and as well as for the dialysis patients, for people with, with kidney transplants, you know. I mean, it's a, it's a constant worry for them as well, that their immune is suppressed, you know. Yeah, and I have to say, when the the National Immunisation Advisory Committee, when they came out with their list of uh, groups, and it's, you know, it's a detailed list of, of groups, I was really taken aback to see that the medically vulnerable were, were well down the list. Yes, yeah, they are. Yeah, so this, the sooner it comes in, the better. And I mean, obviously, oh, I'm, I'm assuming it's a topic of conversation when you're having dialysis, is it? Are you talking oh, with the nurses? it is. Yes, we would be we would be talking about it all right, you know, and amongst ourselves, the other patients as well, you know. I mean, it's uh, a, a very no one at time. the no one at the hospital can give you any indication. Not, not as yet. No, no. And your own GP isn't able to. No, as I say, it's just you know. Hopefully, the sooner the better, you know. Okay. All right. Well, listen. Look after yourself because that's all. And, and it sounds like that's what you are doing. Are you finding being confined to home? Are you finding that tough? Or are you? You're sure. I suppose you have to kind of get on with these things. You know, it's not easy. You know, but um, I'm sure. You know, hopefully that that the vaccine will will come. You know, Faris, and you know to be to make such a difference. You know. Listen, next Monday is going to be a good news day. The over 85s will start to get it. And, you know, the yeah. more vaccines that come into the country, yes, the, quicker, the quicker it'll be. The quicker it'll yes, be. Listen. It would be great. It would be great. Listen, thank you for sharing your story with us and look after yourself and stay safe. Okay, thank you very much for having me. All right, Cara, take care. Bye-bye. That is uh, Carol Rumley, who is a dialysis patient in uh, Bandon. 1850-333-103, lines open. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And Mary is on when we're talking about vaccines, uh, saying when are the over 60s due to get the uh, a jab. Uh, you'll have to wait for the general population, I'm afraid, uh, Mary, because if you look down through the list of sequencing that's been uh, in place, it's when it gets to the general population. As more vaccines come on stream, though, hopefully it will speed up the uh, process. Now, if you haven't purchased a Valentine's Day present yet, and maybe you're looking for a suggestion for something different this year, then how about uh, an, innov- an, uh, an initiative called Hey, not roses. <laughs> Joining me to discuss our fundraising appeal is Katrina Lowry, who runs the Hilltop Sanctuary in Scariff in uh, County Clare. Uh, good morning to you, Katrina. Good, 
Good morning, Patricia. I'm laughing here because I, I got a message from a lady saying I'm all for supporting hay for hungry horses, but if I get a bale of hay Sunday morning, <laughs> you're buying me roses. <laughs> and, and it's so funny at the moment, usually roses always go up in price for Valentine's. Yeah. He, he has gone up. Has it? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're not suggesting in any way that any of the romantic men out there uh, don't get the roses. This is this is a fundraising initiative, and it's a it, yeah. it's a virtual one. Okay, yeah. can can you start by telling me a little bit about the hilltop uh, sanctuary and the work that you do there? Okay, so basically, uh, over a decade decade ago, I actually did not even have one animal. And uh, one day, you know, going about my own business, looking forward to going shopping with the girls. I spotted a pony um, at the side of the road in a really distressed way. And, uh, you know, in my evening, I thought, uh, I'll just one of those numbers. Somebody will come along and do something. And uh, went by. And uh, so I never bought hay or haylage in my life. So I started feeding this one pony. And then all, all of a sudden, that one pony was like a whistleblower. <laughs> all of these other hungry horses appeared and I suddenly realized there was other people doing this as well and uh, that led one thing to the other I started uh, rescuing and rehoming and then I met a lovely man called Pat Tobin who literally has given over his lovely place in Scarif for me and for him for together we run um, a sanctuary for abused animals so hey not roses come about because you know uh, like loads of people might not have a significant other or anyone to send a card to and, and you know it's, it's so at least with Hay Not Roses everyone can be part of this lovely day of care and love and showing you know you know buying something to say I care about you and, and so I thought well everyone most people love animals and, and horses at this time of year a lot of them are struggling and, and that's a real that is definite the suffering is real out there for these horses so pretty much what rescues are like trying to get in extra hay to feed horses that are even more vulnerable because of the, the, the weather you know yeah yeah and is it just is it just horses that you've rescued no on farm we have 71 now so uh six we have one donkey uh with ponies with rabbits with dogs uh, yeah, so it stops at that. Uh, <laughs> we never know what's going to come next, you know. But it's 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 a really a place of healing, and, and the animals help each other heal. Like uh, you know, one of the most uh, saddest cases was a, a, a still donkey in Limerick City. The twenty uh, decided. you I'm having huge difficulty with your phone, and oh, uh, Katrina. I don't I just sorry. don't know whether it's the signal. If you just yes. yeah, you know, if, if if you just move ever so slightly, usually if yes. you move slightly, it's okay. Okay, yes. t- 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 tell me about the the animal you found in Limerick City. Uh, Eli, he was a two-year-old donkey, and uh, twenty young boys. Uh, he went through a horrific attack, and um, there was a group of ladies saw this in their uh, where they lived, and they surrounded him until help could come. So he was really traumatized, you know, psychologically, physically, and all that. But now he's gone on to help other animals here he's very affectionate you know so animals can help each other and animals can teach us so much about bouncing back their ability to bounce back from trauma and to let love in again is just overwhelming so um yeah so i guess hay not roses is is about not just helping us but like 
you know, my lovely horse rescue in Cork are doing amazing work. And, and, and last night they attended a, a very sad case where a young pony had to be put to sleep and that pony was emaciated. So, you know, imagine what a bit of hay everything would have done for that pony to get him through this, you know, the, the, the really cold temperatures. And so it, it's the same people out there, you know, you it, it, Go online, look at their donate buttons. It, you know, well, it was three fifty for a bale of hay. I believe it's gone up. Um, you know, so it, it's not more than five euros. And it's the price of a card. And, you know, you can always buy one rose and one bale of hay. That's <laughs> a, of course. You you can still be romantic and still give your loved yeah. one the rose. Yeah. And do, do you, do animals arrive in very neglected conditions and very abused mm. to you, well, Katrina? Yes, I, I, there is a, you know, there is a preconception out there that they're coming from one cohort of society and all that. One of our saddest rescues was a mare, would you believe, worth 30,000. <laughs> so sadly, uh, her owner left her in a field but never checked on her. And so she had a simple infection in her hoof. But the infection, because he never checked on her, she went down. So she couldn't move or feed or, you know, to, to you know, to... So she was sitting in mud for quite, you know, maybe a week, but the rest of her herd had stayed with her. And uh, so by the time the guards seized her and came here, um, uh, she had to be admitted to an equine hospital, but the infection had started to eat away at her, her, the bone in her leg. So, you know, she had to be put to sleep. And uh, so, that you know, all people seem to think it's a, a certain horses that they're coming in emaciated, but there's every type from thoroughbreds to cobs to donkeys to, do you know what I mean? It's right across the board. And I suppose if I was to get anything across, we have to look at what is going on in this small country that we have so many rescues working 24-7, seven days a week out there. Why are we needed when we have the best animal welfare legislation in the, in, in Europe probably? You know, so we have to look at, and you know this entitlement to own an animal without feeding the animal, like whether it's a dog locked away in a shed, uh, a, a horse left in swampland at this time of year, whether it's an unmuted cat and, and allowing a cat to have kittens again and again. We have to look at what, why do we want that animal if we don't want to provide care? You know, and, and reach out. If you want your pet but you're not able to provide reach out to a rescue and, and they, no rescue will say no to somebody who needs help. You know, and we really need to get that message across. Is the part of your work watching an abused animal recover and trust again, is that the best part of your work? It's amazing. Like we have, we have, we have a pony for five years and he, 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 he was so so abused on every level. And <laughs> the other day, um, Pat was had his back to him and, you know, he felt that, you know, one of the ponies nudging, nudging him and he was like, oh, he presumed it was one of the really friendly ones. It was actually the really badly. So it took five years for him to make contact. And, and whenever we have to go, who's done or that, he has to, he had to be sedated. So can you imagine what that's like? Now he won't get out of our face. <laughs> so it's amazing. It is amazing. You love your work, Katrina. Yes. But you know what? I wish I didn't have to do it. <laughs> I know. I know. You know, I really do. I absolutely 
absolutely love animals. I, I think, you know, for anyone, especially during COVID, you know, the, the, the best executioner of most of our, our emotional ills, if we're lonely, they, they will never leave our side if, if we want that. They will love us unconditionally. They don't care if your roots are showing or, you know, or you've bought a few pounds or whatever. They love us. And I, I really think if someone's considering getting a, a pet, please look to rescues, adopt, don't shop, and even foster. If you're not to foster and give a dog a break from a kennel space, there's so many ways, you know, we can reach out and how animals can equally bring something to our lives. Uh, you know, and I know that sounds all Mary Poppinish and all that. There, it is difficult when you're trying to help an animal, you know, to build trust again, but it's so rewarding, yeah. you know. And do you rehome some of your animals, Katrina? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the horses will go to Germany and some will go here, but, you know, uh, in Germany they love cobs. So we would get a lot of those, you know, those heavy kind of coloured horses there. You know, Germans love them. And yeah, so some want to be companion horses. And uh, yeah, we do. Unfortunately, the ones badly abused will never leave us because we feel that could set them back and we can't take that chance again, you know. Um, okay, as somebody says, uh, listening to uh, Katrina, I'm going to donate a few bales of hay and tell my Aww. beloved he can have a roll in the hay with the, with the <laughs> pony I bought virtually in his mind for Valentine's. I will use that next year, have a roll in the <laughs> how can How can people do, to, to, uh, donate, yeah. Katrina, to the work so, that you do? Uh, obviously, in Cork there, my lovely horse rescue, if you log on to their Facebook page, they have a PayPal, they donate buttons. And my lovely horse rescue in Cork are, are, are doing amazing work. Any rescue you can log on, wherever you live, just go online to Facebook. They pay. It's so easy to donate. You can ring your local co-op store. You can pay for a bail there and you can let the rescue know there's a bail there in your name. You know, there's no, you could buy a bag of horse ration or feed and drop it off at the gate of the rescue because you know with COVID times it's, it's hard. There are so many ways but it, remember 350 to 5 euros because it's Valentine's is, is the price of a bale of hay and that will feed one to two horses for a day. Do you understand? So it depends on the size of the horse of course. <laughs> you know so it's we and you know what it's lovely to give and it's not just about donating you're giving hope and you're saying to rescuers I see what you're doing and I appreciate it you know. Well done. Well, well done. You do. You're doing incredible work uh, in in Scarif, uh, Katrina. Do you get any state funding? Uh, no, we don't. No. Uh, we don't go for uh, uh, the the grant because uh, I know people won't understand this. We don't have time for the level of paperwork. The what the hours that it would take for us to do it. So both myself and Pat are working. People are very good uh, to help us. So we, we consider this our extended family that <laughs> we're looking after. So they are our family. So we, we don't see it as a, a burden, you know. And we do get great help. People give us, farmers will go take away stupid ground bales of hay there, Limerick Animal Welfare are very helpful to us. Forgotten Horses Ireland, my lovely horse rescue taking animals off us that we have, have had no room for. So we're 
fabulous community of, of really coming together and that's what it's about I suppose you're fantastic together. you're fantastic <laughs> long may you continue thank you uh, and if people want to check out the great work that Katrina does it's the, the Hilltop Sanctuary you can you. you can see it online you have a great website as well uh, yes. listen Katrina thank you for that thank you and uh, thanks for joining us happy Valentine's um, many happy returns hey not roses if people want to think of uh, rescued animals and you know what I love about uh, Katrina I assumed when we were bringing her on uh, to talk about it that she was going to be pushing her own charity but to hear her say you know find a local charity in your area that's working with you know in, in Cork it's uh, uh, my lovely horse or there's the, the donkey sanctuary or there's people who work with many of the uh, the animals you know, the different animals the canines and the dogs uh, group who are working with uh, with cats and dogs uh, as well I just thought that was lovely of her to say you know try and spread the love locally and try to donate and think of animal charities who like all charities struggling because of COVID but the animal charities in particular seem to be uh, really under pressure but she just if you go on I was amazed because I hadn't heard about it before until this landed on my desk this week and I looked into the Hilltop Sanctuary in Scarif the work that that girl does is just she's just dedicated her life to rescuing these animals she doesn't have a holiday she doesn't buy cars she works herself and then all of the money she makes she puts into looking after these animals she is uh, incredible so says how can you donate directly to uh, Katrina. Uh, If you just Google the the Hilltop Sanctuary, you'll be able to do it that way. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. John Paul uh, joins me in studio. Good afternoon John Paul. Good afternoon. And this is our weekly look at the local electoral area and the rise or fall in COVID positive uh, cases right around the city and county and as we have been predicting for the last two weeks the numbers thankfully, thankfully are falling. And actually I was reading during the week that in Munster we're doing the best when it comes to a fall in the COVID positive cases. Dublin appears to still be a worry but generally speaking right across Munster we seem to be doing well. The only glitch seems to be Waterford. Waterford still have some of the highest figures nationwide but the rest of the Munster and certainly us, us here in Cork we are seem to be doing our bit when it comes to uh, a fall in COVID-19 numbers. So taking a look at the last two weeks this is the 26th of January through to the 8th of February so up to Monday of this week, what are the figures looking like, John Paul? Yeah, so we'll look and start in Bantry. This is the Bantry electoral area. And here we're in the, it also takes in Castletown Bear, German League and the peninsulas. Last week, there was 101 confirmed cases. This week, there are 65, so a reduction there. And to Skibbereen, whereby you're also taking in Dunmanway, Ross Carberry and the Clonakilty areas confirmed here last week was 99. This week, that's down to 60. And the Bandon and Kinsale electoral area again a large area here uh, also includes villages such as Timaleague and Kilbritton last week that was at 238 uh, that this week has reduced to 109 uh, but that area still remains one of the highest in the county but it has gone and reduced to 109 but the fall there is over half what over it was half. last yeah, week that's, a, that's yeah. a big big, big reduction. reduction there in, in Bandon Kinsale and to Carrigaline whereby it does take in Crosshaven Myrtleville Ballygarvan and Ringeskiddy. Last
last week it was 94 confirmed cases, a reduction this week to 69. And to the city, to the first of all, the city southwest local area, we are here, we're in Ballincollig, the Wilton areas, Curryheen. Last week, 152, that has reduced to 87 this week. And the south central area of Cork City, in Toker, the Kinsale Road area, and Turner's Cross, last week it was at 126, uh, this week at 81. And for the southeast of the city, here we're in Black Rock, Douglas, Mahan, and Rochestown, and last week 159 confirmed cases, that has reduced to 110 this week and to the northeast of the city and here it's one of the highest areas this week in the city we're in Glanmire, Mayfield, Tivoli and Montanotti uh, last week 193 here this week it has reduced to 130 cases but it is one of the highest areas of the city and to the northwest then in Blarney, Knocknaheeny, Hollyhill and Sunday as well last week 164 cases that has reduced to 91 this week and uh, back to the county and to the McCroom local electoral area where you're looking here at Clodove, Kilmurray, Inchigila, Balangiri. It also includes the town of Mill Street. Last week, 88 cases. That has reduced to 50 uh, this week in the McCroom area. And to Canturk, uh, taken in Charnival, Newmarket as well. Also areas like Bally Desmond, Kitchkeam, Cullen, Tully Lease and those areas uh, last week 116 confirmed cases. This week uh, that has reduced to 78 and to the Mallow local area where again we're including Buttevant, Lumberstown, New Two Pot House, Dramahan, Granada, Liscarroll, Buin, all included here. Uh, last week 114 confirmed cases and that has reduced in the Mallow area to 88. And to Formoy and within Formoy you are including the town of Mitchellstown, also Donnerail, Glanworth, Rathcormac, Kilworth, Castle Lines, all included here. Last week 157 confirmed cases and that has reduced to 100 101 this week and to Cove which stretches from Carrick Navarre to Watergrass Hill Knock Rahan into Carrick Tool last week 77 cases that has reduced this week to 48 and finally in the Middleton local electoral area whereby you do include the town of Yall here also Dungarvan Cloyne Shanagarry Ballycotton uh, and the Ladies Bridge area of East Cork last week 195 confirmed cases there this week that has reduced to 105 so okay, a reduction so overall So every single area thankfully has seen a reduction biggest fall in new confirmed cases though in the band in Kinsale uh, area and then Cove and McCroom the lowest of new confirmed cases Cove on 48 and McCroom on uh, 50 so we are in the right direction uh, for sure and they should fall even further next week because we know, we know the numbers were down this yeah, week Yeah and Cork is doing well this week as a whole when you look at the other main populated areas of Ireland such as as you mentioned there Waterford but also Galway is still fairly high and other areas so Cork isn't always second in the league table uh, this yeah, week well, Dublin is still very high obviously not yeah, and if you look at the overall one it's way down it's way, way down, way yeah, down. Way ok down. listen long may that continue thank you for that uh, John Paul at uh, John Paul taking a look at the, the, the local electoral areas for the new confirmed cases over the last uh, two weeks some of your thoughts coming into us James in Formoy um, this is to do uh, with James needed to go to Southstock 
uh, last weekend. So he phoned up the doctor. He was obviously feeling unwell and he was surprised to hear the doctor saying, could you come into the surgery? He thought he was going to be triaged over the phone, which is generally what's happening now with most GP practices. But anyway, obviously, whatever was wrong with James, the doctor at Southstock needed to see him. So he toodlooed along and he said he has been very careful about where he's going and, you know, limiting his social contacts and all of that. So I suppose in his own way, he was a bit nervous about even going into the Southstock service. So while he was sitting in there chatting with the staff, he was surprised that they haven't received their vaccinations yet. And he says, you know, these are people who are face to face dealing with the general public all of the time. He thought that they would have been higher up the priority uh, list. I'm sure they're the ones now, though, that with the AstraZeneca going to the frontline staff, I'm sure I saw uh, GP practices are going to be with that cohort of uh, people. But yeah, I accept your point, James. You would have thought they are dealing with the public all of the time and they could be coming in contact with COVID positive uh, cases as well without knowing it. 1850 John in Mallow is on about dumping and still a lot of calls coming in since we mentioned the civic community sites uh, earlier. He has a suggestion to do with fast food outlets. Why can't all fast food outlets have some kind of a tag on their bags and on all of their cartons, some kind of a stamp and a barcode that would tell you the name of the takeaway and the exact time that the purchase was made. Then if it was found dumped, you could check back on CCTV and find out exactly who purchased the items that were contained in that uh, takeaway. Uh, John said, sick of people dumping fast food on the out the Mitchellstown Road out of Amalo. He said some days and I imagine probably after the even though it would be after the weekends now, would it? There's not people out and about, but anyway, could be any day of the week. He says some days it's covered. He walks with the dog and he's actually had his dog on at times has become sick because the other way dogs sniff out stuff and they'll eat some of the takeaways. He said he's gone through some of the bags, no receipts or anything, so it's impossible to identify who actually dumped it, but he finds that very frustrating. Tim says there was tarmac dumped at an entrance to a forest walk in Watergrass Hill recently. The council ended up having to come out and remove the tarmac because it was preventing people from walking uh, in that area. So people are dumping all kinds of uh, different things. Isn't it absolutely shocking what people will uh, dump? Some of your texts coming in that stay on uh, dumping. Hi Patricia, just back from a walk. Four big bags of rubbish dumped on the John's Bridge to Kilbrin Road. So somebody obviously not wanting to pay their rubbish bins and instead decided to pack it all up nice and neatly into big black bags and then out they go. And obviously if it's four large bin bags of rubbish, they had to have had transport to do it. That's just absolutely uh, shocking. Some more of your texts on the people who were travelling to, was it Tenerife to go to the dentist? Remember that was on prime time last night. Somebody said, bear in mind, crowns and veneers are cheaper abroad. Could they have been travelling for crowns and veneers? Would you deem that essential travel though? I don't know. On the teachers, uh, Patricia, if you paid the homeschoolers money, do you remember somebody suggested that all the parents who are homeschooling, they should be getting paid instead of uh, the teachers. If you started doing that, you could be sure the teachers would get back around to the table fairly quickly to start talking if they thought they were going to lose out on money. While Margaret on the ASTI said, Patricia, I listened to the ASTI leaders on the news and on primetime last night and the impression I got was the ASTI went into those talks with the Minister for Education willing to discuss a number of options. However, what they found was that there was only one option on the table and that was calculated grades. Despite their efforts to discuss other options, there was no willingness to move on this as they are opposed 
reduced to having only calculated grades and there was no other option on the table. That's the reason they walked. I'm not a secondary school teacher, but I trust their judgment. If they say that there isn't enough data available to do calculated grades this year, then so be it. Last year, the class had done more in-house tests, so the data was there. I wish they'd make a decision, though, as because it's so hard on students not knowing what is happening, uh, says Margaret. And I 100% agree with you. It's, it's the students that, that I really feel for and the level of stress and anxiety that they are going uh, through. And what I took from it was that the department are saying we will give students a choice that they can either go for calculated grades and an a written exam or what kind of a written exam and I think that's where the ASDI are it's not that it's the only option on the table what the department seemed to be going towards but they would need the agreement of the teachers is to have the calculated grades but also as some kind of a written exam the ASDI are dead against the calculated grades they're saying well that's on the table from what I can gather from what was discussed yesterday then they do not want to go into any kind of negotiations more will come I imagine today from the meeting with the Minister for uh, Education on the vaccines and when I mentioned that the vaccines have to be it's been reported that the vaccines there's 86 GP practices have been selected for the vaccines and some doctors are disappointed they were hoping to go out into a local community hall and run a bigger bigger vaccination clinic because they're a bit afraid that some of their surgeries might be a bit on the small side and it's been reported that no can't be done powers that be say they get delivered to the doctor's surgery it has to be given in the doctor's surgery unless it's one of the bigger ones like we have in uh, City Hall and will have in Ahamilla the GAA in Clonakilty and Carragoon in Mallow and there's one for Bantry to jump all time and there's one for Bantry as well but outside of that it has to be done in the doctor's practice Dan says listen with interest to that that it must be done in the doctor's surgery and the reason is uh, it's not suitable for a second delivery to me seems ridiculous firstly many of the surgeries won't be able to cope and secondly surely the first delivery can be made to the designated vaccination areas uh, with all of the fridges installed bull rules says Dan and you know something when I was reading out the reasons that they were given for having to have it in the doctor's surgery because they're not suitable for for moving for a second delivery that did go through my head well then make the local GAA hall or the community hall wherever the doctor has designated make that the first port of uh, call. Anyway, they'll surely have some reason why that can't be done either. Uh, hi Tricia, why why didn't the Irish government take the vaccines that were on offer from uh, England? I think it was to do with some EU rules about it coming from an unauthorised source or something, I'm not uh, too sure, but just that offer was on the table. The government in the UK said whatever spare vaccines they had that if Ireland wanted, wanted them, they were willing to I, I don't think pass them on, sell them on it, they, but Yeah, the last I heard was to do with some uh, EU uh, rules. Hi, uh, Patricia, this is Michael. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. I really feel there should be a medically compromised category in every age group as the vaccine is rolled out. There are people who are extremely medically vulnerable with lung conditions, things like cystic fibrosis, people suffering from COPD, people suffering from asthma and many, many more. Didn't we have the lovely Carol on talking about being on dialysis? There are many people in the various age categories who need this vaccination faster than others. The GPs know their patients well, so it's not rocket science to push those in the most at-risk groups to the top of each age list. And so says Michael. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good and a valid point. And you know something? 
I think that that's possibly happening already. I think that when, like, for example, the GPs at the moment are working on drawing up their lists for the over 85. We've already heard from one listener this morning to say her mother is 90 and she's heard of somebody in the same GP practice who's only 86 and the 86-year-old has got an appointment for the vaccine and her mother is 90 hasn't. And I'm wondering, is there an underlying health condition that the 86-year-old needs at the head of the 90-year-old? I'm assuming that that's exactly what doctors, because it's the doctors are given the vaccines. They're told you're going to have, say on Monday, 50 vaccines to give. And at the moment, you give it to the over 85s. So I imagine GP practice will look at their over 85s. And if they have 80, they have to pick 50. I'm assuming that they will go with the most vulnerable first. So probably GPs are doing that already, even though I don't know for sure. And somebody else aside, the government are flat out thinking and talking about the COVID jab and that's all they seem to be talking about at the moment. Surely if we had followed England's lead, we would all have got the jab by now. When you look across the water in the United Kingdom, 14 million people have already been vaccinated. Shame on the government. Yeah, going by that with our, what are we, four and a half million people, we would all be vaccinated. Everyone would be vaccinated if, if we could if we could only have gotten our hands on the vaccine. But we're in with the EU and it is what it is. And uh, we have to just keep going the way we're going and just get the required, get the vaccines as they arrive. And in fairness, and we keep saying it as soon as they get them, they are giving them out uh, to uh, people. Hi, Patricia. And my apologies to people who sent in WhatsApps to us again. We've our internet has gone very slow today and a load of them all came in together. So I'm backed up with comments that have come in relating to items and interviews that we did earlier. We st- we started the show by talking about the Kildare style retail outlet that Cork County Council wants built in East Cork, but it seems that Cork City aren't in favour of it and they're now going to go to a judicial review because the planners in Dublin overruled it and Cork County Council are saying hang on a tick this is good for our area we want this uh, built Heidi says good morning Patricia Patricia, this is a brilliant piece of news if we could get that outlet here in Cork. We need more competition as it gives people choices. It's the same with everything. Banks, credit cards, choice is good for all. It'll push the economy and help us all to move forward. That is from Heidi. Thank you for that, Heidi. But then somebody, Nolan Kilmurray, has a different view. He says, surely the proposed outlet village in East Cork is past its sell-by date, even before it's ever been built. Debenham Top Shop, Top Man, Dorothy Perkins, Wallace Evans have all gone bust. Online shopping seems to be the new thing now. Cheaper council rates and better facilities in our own market towns would surely be a better idea. Many thanks for your informative show and thank you for your comments. Keep them coming in to us. And Noel, and we hope you are keeping safe on seals and the possibility that some of those seals were shot, even though we don't know because there is a money there for autopsies at the moment, unfortunately. Farmers shoot dogs, says this listener. Uh, Fishermen shoot seals it is all down to uh, money and also into us is one more if I can find it here this I was really disappointed to read thank you Jim for this because I wasn't aware of this we've been talking about Vicky Phelan and how trying to keep an eye on Vicky Phelan and how she's doing in the States and trying to keep an eye on her it's her Twitter feed is the one that I follow just how she's doing getting her treatment and we know she's over in the States and she's on her own bless her heart and the entire nation I think is uh, behind her uh, Jim says Patricia I was so sorry to read a, a tweet from Vicky Phelan yesterday about her Instagram account it was hacked by a scumbag 
as Vicky herself called him. He then wanted $3,500 to reinstate it for her. He told her she needn't bother trying to get it back as it was a waste of time. It couldn't be done. But, says Jim, I think I saw this morning where a lady has managed to get the account back for uh, it, for Vicky. But in the meantime, she set up another Instagram account and fans were advised to unfollow the first one and follow the second one. She was overwhelmed with the support she got and people hoping that this guy would be caught. And as Maya Dunphy said, they would tear him limb by limb over the hurt he has caused her as she is going through enough at the moment, being in another country, away from her family, getting treatment from cancer just to try to keep herself alive. So uh, is, is so if it's that easy to hack somebody's account, surely, surely, surely it must be po- possible to find out who the culprit is and make him pay. Oh God, I wish it was that easy and, and I do hope that he is tracked down and I do hope he is fa- found. Yeah, and you're right, Jim, if Vicky Phelan isn't going through enough and she takes such comfort from her social media accounts and that outpouring of love and support that she's getting from all over the country. It really is uh, wonderful. So good to know that she's back up and running on Insta. 1850-333-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme, here to assist vulnerable people with their daily needs through the COVID-19 pandemic. See corkcoco.com Hennessy Timber Group, they're based in Connacilty. They're holding a raffle. It's in aid of Bumbalance and the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Great prizes up for grabs, including an adventure playset, which is valued at €2,400. To be in with a chance to win these prizes, you go to idonate.ie and Hennessy's Outdoor Raffle. The draw will take place on the 20th of uh, February. And a reminder to you that Mornabi community are commemorating the centenary of the ambush at Mornabi this weekend. The t- Sunday is, oh, tomorrow is the 13th, 13th of February. They're asking people to have a lighted candle in the window of every house in the parish. Now a wreath will be laid at the War of Independence monument and the national flag will be at half mast this Saturday, Sunday and Monday. And the Heritage Association are also planning on publishing their uh, book. And then later on in the month uh, the centenary commemoration for the Clonmult ambush will be held you can view that online on the YouTube channel Clonmult ambush sites are on their Facebook page and to honour all those in the local area who fought and subsequently died as a result of the Clonmult ambush uh, all those in the local and wider area are asked to fly the tricolour on Saturday week the 20th and Sunday week the 21st as a mark of respect. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Eileen was very upset on the phone. Uh, John Paul tells me from Ballyclaw area, uh, from the Ballyclaw area, she went down her garden Uh, This happened about two uh, months ago and she reckoned somebody was using her garden as a toilet as she found human faeces in her garden. Oh my God. And she said she really, two months later, John Paul said she was just, because John Paul was trying to have a chat with her and uh, she she said to John Paul, she was just literally too upset that she couldn't even talk uh, that this happened two months ago and that it's still upsetting her and she said, still, goodness me, when we're talking about dumping, that seems such a bizarre uh, thing 
thing to uh, happen to somebody. Listen, it was a one-off, Eileen. Hopefully it'll never happen again. I don't know why it happened, but please God, it was just a one-off. So uh, hopefully whoever whoever got short taken, it will never be back around your garden again. So just look after yourself and everything will be okay. 1850-333-103. Ken's Pure Core Quiz. We've got thousands of euro to give away on C103. And what a time for our phone lines to go down. But I'm glad to say that they are back up and running. And I have Dave McCarthy from Kilmurray, hopefully. Fingers crossed is on the line. Good afternoon, Dave. Good afternoon. Away, nearly lost you there for a minute. Okay, you're not on the greatest of lines under the sun. Don't know if we can run with this. Can you hear me okay? Uh, can you hear me okay? All right, you're not. You on a hands-free? I, I'm on a mobile phone. Okay, and you're but but you're not hands-free. You have it up to your ear. You do. I have it up to my ear as well. Okay, all right. Let's do this. Are you ready for it? Three, two, one. The class ticket. Okay. In what year did Photo Wildlife Park open? 1983, 1993. 1983. What colour is Ballycotton Lighthouse? Black or white? White. Lady Gaga played live at the Marquee 2000 or 2009? 2009. Ah, okay. You got in in plenty of time, but unfortunately, two out of three. The one you got wrong is the Ballycotton Lighthouse. It's actually black, not white. And it's only one of two that are black. And you know something? When John Paul read the questions to me this morning, we always tried them out on each other. I got that one wrong as well. So you're not on your own on that one. Anyway, Dave. Patricia, we will never, ever forget that. <laughs> we won't. And it's and we are, we now know there's only two White Houses in the country that are black, one of which is Ballycotton. And don't ask me what the other one is because I don't know. Thank Listen, Dave, have a lovely weekend and do try again. Thanks Thank a million. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That is uh, Dave McCarthy from Kilmurray playing Ken's Pure Cork quiz your chance to win 103 euro we'll do it again with Nick this afternoon and uh, Martina will do it one more time and then we're back again on Monday morning doing it all over again and Ken will kick off another week of Ken's Pure Cork quiz playing twice 20 past 7 and 20 past 8 If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. 
That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And with some suggestions for movies, our movie reviewer Mark Malone uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you watched two movies for us this week, the first of which is Greenland and the second one is 100% Wolf. And we are going to start with a trailer from Greenland. Good morning, you got to go. But the sky's on fire. The inbound comets are being called planet killers. I swear I'm going to get my family to safety. There'll be more planes tomorrow. There won't be a tomorrow. Is that just, is it that short? Is it just suddenly exactly, exactly. Is that short? This <laughs> is, is one of these natural disaster movies, is it? Yeah, yeah. And you wouldn't believe it. I mean, it's got a, it's kind of, it's kind of dull title, really, because if you, when I, when I kind of was looking to kind of review something and I saw uh, the link to this film, I thought Greenland with Jared Butler, what's it about? Is it kind of some kind of family drama? And even when you look at uh, the poster, it's basically, you know, Jared Butler looking at his car window up at the sky and you think, this is, this is odd. Then you find out it is, in fact, one of these kind of post-apocalyptic kind of the world is coming to an end film. And normally, you know, films like this have kind of amazing titles like, you know, When Worlds Collide, yeah. The Day the Earth Caught Fire, <laughs> Armageddon, and yeah. this one is it's Greenland. And uh, so I did think that was a bit odd, you know. I thought, well, that's a bit strange, you know. So I do wonder, you know, has the promotion of this film gotten it wrong? Because, if, you know, people who are looking for something exciting, people are looking for a film like Armageddon, and they see the poster or they see the link to Greenland and they see, you know, Jared Butler, they might go, oh, we might watch this without realising what it actually is. So basically what's happening is that this comet is heading towards Earth, but it's expected to just kind of go past. And normally comets are just basically kind of made up of kind of gases, but this one isn't. This one actually has meteorites uh, within it. Uh, but they are expecting one of those meteorites to actually get very, very close to Earth and maybe just land in the ocean. So there are basically people having kind of these get-together, these parties to watch on TV, live, because, you know, it's, it's modern life these days, uh, to watch this meteorite kind of fall into the ocean. And just before they have the party, um, uh, Jared Butler's wife says to him, look, would you go down to the shops and get more beer? And he says, OK. As he's doing that, as he's heading for the shops, he notices that there's a lot of kind of army uh, beginning to kind of accumulate in the streets. And there's also a lot of kind of army jets in, in the sky. And he thinks, oh, that's a bit odd. And once he's in the shop, he gets this phone call. And the phone call basically says, Jared Butler, you have been chosen by the American government. This is a president. Presidential, presidential order, stand by. And he looks around the shops and he realizes he's, just, he's the only one who's actually after getting that call. So he thinks that's kind of a bit odd. He goes back. They're all sitting around him and all his neighbors. They're all sitting around the TV watching this meteorite, expecting, as I say, to hit uh, the ocean. Instead, it lands right smack in the middle of Florida, wipes out 43 square miles and thousands of people. And of course, as you could imagine, people scream, people are frightened. He then gets another presidential alert on his phone. The problem is it also comes up on his TV and it basically says, 
Jared Butler, you and your family have been chosen for safety. Go to your nearest army base. So then kind of that starts off as kind of a very interesting premise. I mean, what if you were in that kind of position where you're with all your family and friends and yet your family is the only one who's been chosen for safety? And, and why that, him? Well, the reason they chose him was because he's um, a structural engineer. Oh, he okay. basically makes... Um, buildings, he makes uh, skyscrapers. So, of course, if the world has to rebuild, he'll be able to rebuild. Somebody like him can do it, yeah. And so, basically, the story then is about him and his family trying to get to the uh, army base. Unfortunately, as you could imagine, the world is in complete chaos and they become, and they, they you know, they lose each other. They, they they split into kind of three separate kind of situations. Um, unfortunately, like the thing about the film is that like a, the, the movies I just mentioned all had $100 billion budget. This doesn't. This has a budget of about $35 million. So they realized, you know, that when they came to make this, that they can't fill it full of really, really kind of expensive kind of CGI. So therefore, so for the first half of the film, it's, it's really clever and it's very good. They realize they have to concentrate on the writing. They have to concentrate on this family. And initially, you kind of do like this family. But unfortunately, as the kind of film progresses, your you're, you're like of them kind of your dislike of them kind of increases because of this kind of privilege that they feel as though they have. And it's almost like a kind of a, a middle-class privilege that we're rich and we are who we are, and therefore we have the right to basically do whatever we want. And so therefore, like if they're in crowds, like first responders always respond to them, you know, instead of all the other people and millions of other people who are desperate as well. And they kind of pick them out of crowds constantly. And it's almost like they believe this sense of privilege. Therefore, they can do whatever they want. They can kill, they can cross borders, they can loot, they can do whatever they want because of who they are. And so because of that, and that's the only kind of thing I have as fault in the film. And you kind of, kind of slightly kind of dis like the family and because of that, even though he's desperately trying to kind of save his family here. And also for them to kind of come back together again, uh, there has to be an extraordinary amount of coincidences which wouldn't happen. And it was, it, was, it was very difficult to believe that these coincidences would actually happen. But whilst all of that is happening, I mean, it's very, very exciting. There's some terrific moments. There's, it's very exciting. And I did enjoy an awful lot of it. But apart from that kind of sense of privilege, which kind of was digging at me all the time, you know, um, and as far as, you know, Jared Butler, I haven't really liked him in the past. I, re- I reviewed one of his films last year and I thought he was very good. Can't remember what the name of the film is, but uh, he is getting better um, as, he's, uh, as he's getting older. Although there is a scene where he has to kind of show some emotion and he bashes his hand on the table and kind of goes, oh! <laughs> and you kind of think, oh no, Jared, no. Yeah. But um, everybody else is very good and all the family. It is exciting. It is interesting. There are times, though, when it's trying to build up tension, but it doesn't so much build up tension as annoyance, and that's another problem I had with it. But other than that, look, it's worth it. It's worth a while. Obviously, if you see it on your screen, you won't think that it's a, a post-apocalyptic kind of world is in danger kind of movie, but it is. And um, for most of it, for 80% of it, I thought it was really, really exciting and really good. Um, and did you find out why it's called Greenland? Do you want me to tell you? Well, I suppose I can. No, as long as it's not a spoiler. And it's not really, no. no. I mean, the the, the reason is, for some reason, in Greenland, they've built these underground bunkers, and that's part of the world where everybody is trying to head to. Why they don't have these bunkers in the United States, I have no idea. I wondered, is this why President uh, Trump wanted to buy Greenland? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that's why they have to head to Greenland. And the way in which they get to Greenland is quite unbelievable. That was another thing that kind of annoyed me. But in the main, it's hugely entertaining. Okay, so mark it out of 10? I'll give it eight. Eight out of ten, okay, and that's uh, Greenland. Then you uh, watched completely different. Then this is a lovely little animation, a hundred percent wolf. Yeah, because of midterm next week, I thought, look, you know, although 
you know, does it make really much difference? I don't know, but I thought I would do a family film because I haven't done a kind of a, a, an animated film in quite some time. And I really thought initially when I saw, I came the trailer for this, I thought, is this going to be one of these kind of really, really kind of cheap kind of rip-offs that, you know, an animation company kind of makes? But actually it isn't. First of all, it's Australian. And we don't normally see a great deal of Australian um, animation coming our way. Um, but it obviously has a very big budget because, in fact, the animation turns out to be really, really good indeed. And the storyline is good. Obviously, we've been talking about derivative films over the last couple of years, and I think that's its only fault in that. Again, it's kind of picked and, and choose uh, its you know the best of kind of American movies. You know, there's a bit from The Lion King, there's a bit from you know all of the classic kind of Disney movies. But if you had told me before um, or after I'd watched this that uh, you know it was an American movie, I would have thought, why is there Australian accent? I would have thought it was American. It, it is that good. I mean, the quality yeah. of the animation is really terrific, and it's a lovely storyline as well. So. Basically, it's about this young boy. Uh, he basically lives in a house of werewolves. And um, at when he reaches his teenage years, he has to go undergo this ceremony called the wolfing, where basically it's his first time ever of turning into a wolf. So he and all his friends, they're all the same age. They go come along to this ceremony. Earlier in the film, though, he had lost what's called a moonstone. So that actually put a curse on him. So whilst all his friends turn into these gigantic kind of werewolves and these wolves, he turns into a poodle. Oh, no. And the thing is, is that dogs are the common enemy of wolves. They don't get on at all. So he finds himself on the streets as he's trying to kind of retrieve this moonstone to get rid of this curse so he can turn back into a wolf. And once he's on the streets, of course, he doesn't really know how to live as a dog. He has no idea. Uh, there he meets uh, another little pooch, and she kind of basically shows him the way. And there's a very interesting kind of little montage where she basically teaches him how to scratch and uh, how to bake for food, which is so fun and so lovely. Uh, she also tried to teach him how to pee in public, but he can't because he's a boy. He says, I can't do that. And later on, there's a sequence in, in relation to that where basically um, he, he basically starts to pee because he's held it in all that time. And I was kind of watching this kind of scene thinking, this is the scene that parents are going to hate, but kids are going to I was just wrong. going to say, any kind of toilet humour, children <laughs> absolutely adore it. I did cringe when I was watching it, but I did think, you know, kids are going to love this. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the criticisms of the film is that it just doesn't stop, that it's just too much, that it's too manic. I personally didn't find that. I just found that it was really, really exciting. Now, look, you know, it is lazy at times. You know, they've got the dog catchers in it, which we've seen, you know, so many times before. The evil uncle is basically Scar from The Lion King. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So there are times when the writing is a little bit kind of lazy, all right. But kids are going to love it. I think I think parents will love it. I think it's very, very sweet. And the fact that it's got that kind of... Australian edge to it, I think, is kind of interesting. It's an all-Australian cast, um, and um, Tomorrow Evening, I suppose, is, is the most kind of well-known of all of those. And I just thought it was really entertaining. You know, it doesn't stop. It's really, really funny at times, and uh, yeah, I'd certainly recommend it. Okay, and it's called uh, 100% Wolf, and as yep. you say, it's particularly nice because it is midterm and next week. Mark that out of 10. Uh, give it eight. Eight out of ten, okay. Yeah. And by the way, I watched the dig on your recommendation from last weekend on Netflix. And you loved, it. loved it. Yeah, yeah absolutely loved it. A really, really, really lovely movie. I would suggest anyone go along and see it if you're looking for something to watch this weekend. It was terrific. Okay, listen, thank you for that. Have a great week and uh, we'll chat next week. That's uh, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Well, that's where I need to go. That's where we wrap it up for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for working on the show all week. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we are back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock. Um, if you are having a Valentine's surprise or celebrating Valentine's, enjoy Uh, this weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday morning. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Look after yourself and more importantly, stay safe. 
Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.